Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I am so glad that you're all here, especially on a football weekend where I know there's a lot of football being played. My husband has reminded me many times. But I am so happy that there's so many people here. And I wanted to discuss this because going off to convention, having many people, different people from around the United States and some around the world coming in to meet in one place. It's interesting how spiritualism has grown. Now, spiritualism just didn't start on March 31st, 1848, but the Fox sisters. It started way before then, back in Greek times, back in before then. It started way, way in the past, before the birth of Christ or AD or BC and all that happy stuff. A lot of people met because they had like minds. And they, especially in the BC era, were superstitious. Now, when I was starting this talk, I had a whole bunch of different talks. Now I'm actually doing a workshop at the convention for healing and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna do a healing talk. And I'm like, no, I only wanna do that once. <laughs> I don't wanna bore you guys with it. And then I thought, you know, how did spiritualism start? And one of the things is, do you know that there's a, we have a church here, and we're very blessed to have a church here. We actually have two NSHU churches here in Arizona. California has a few. Um, New, Mexico ha New Mexico has none. Nevada has a now down to one church. Um, and there's a lot of churches out, a lot of places out there that have no, absolutely no church. So what do they do? Well, they start home circles. And way back when, People were being superstitious, and if someone in their village died, they had a home circle trying to communicate with spirit to make sure that that individual was, ended up in the right place. And in the Greek times, we had people called oracles who gave messages, or the priests that went into caves for 30 days and 30 nights and were completely solitary and then looked into a pool of blood, usually cow's blood or or lamb blood or something to communicate with spirit. So they always held circles of some sort. And the Fox sisters even held circles. There wasn't a church around for spiritualism for them to go to and drive to. So they held circles in their houses or in other people's houses. And the White House, great White House, also held home circles. They had Harriet Beecher Stove who started circles and seances and different things. So home circles and churches are not something new. It's not a fad, even though some people think it is a fad. It's not a fad. It's been going on for a little bit of time now. And there's many different levels of home circles. Now, anybody can have a home circle. And we can call churches basically home circles, but you all come from different homes to come here. And we meet on because we're like-minded. Now, people had the common goal when they're creating home circles of, they have a common goal of communicating with spirit and developing spiritually. Home circles provide unfoldment for the mediums and every seance room is hollowed ground. Now, when we say hollowed ground, it doesn't mean that you have to take water from another church and spread it around and and 
you know, your floor gets mushy and you don't want to do that, you know. You don't have to have crosses or Jesus or God's hands or candles, though candles are nice sometimes, you know, they smell really good, <laughs> especially if you get them from Bath and Body Works. <laughs> You don't have to have crystals and tarot cards and Ouija boards and crystal balls. So let me, and NSAC doesn't believe in crystal balls and Ouija boards and, and tarot cards because you're not, they're not needed. When we communicate with spirit, spirit comes down and I, the vibrations go up, our vibrations go up, and we communicate. We don't need a stepping stool tool like tarot cards. Though they're, you know, when you're starting out, I used tarot cards when I started out. I used Ouija boards when I was a kid. It's not frowned upon. We don't use it off the platform. So a lot of the home circles started out that way, and they used Ouija boards. They used tarot cards. They went to the gypsies. They did all this stuff just to communicate with their loved ones. It's amazing how we want to communicate with our loved ones who pass over. So then they start developing, and then people go, hey, I got this piece of land over here. Let's make a camp. Okay. So people started camps. And they would live in tents. Yes, tents. Which I know some people, like my mother-in-law, you couldn't catch her in a tent if it meant her life. You know, her idea of camping or anything like that is the uh, Motel 6. So they started camps. But they were still doing home circles. You know, they go to a big tent and they have circles and seances. And amazingly enough, especially in the early 1900s, there was thousands of people every day that would attend to these camps. Every week, especially on seasons that wasn't snowing, you know, you weren't up to here in snow. If the, if the time was good and everybody could live in tents, they had seances, they had parties, they had home circles, they had communications. If you ever make it out to New York, and out to Casadega, New York. Go to Lilydale and see what a wonderful place that is. The houses alone are historical. The houses alone are just amazing. They're old, yes, they're old, but they're still in good shape and they're loved and the land is loved. And the vibration there alone is you're just vibrating the entire time. You don't even have to hardly walk. They just kind of vibrate across the fields. And <laughs> especially at a place called Inspirational Stump, where a lot of people have, they sit around and they communicate with spirit. Now, you can have home circles, and I encourage anybody to have a home circle. It's not frowned upon. It's just like mine, especially if you can't make it on a Sunday, let's face it. People have kids, two jobs, you know, working full time, have this, have that, you know. You can have home circles as long as you develop, you know, communicate with other people. And, and, and who knows, maybe someday you'll get enough money or win a lottery and get a bigger church and start your own or start somewhere else. It doesn't matter as long as you communicate with spirit and you're developing. It doesn't matter where you are. It's nice that you guys are coming here. We like it. I like to keep the doors open. I like to, to work on with spirit. But spiritualism is in your heart my brother had a very good point now my brother communicates with spirit he will never admit it but he does 
and he believes in a 120%. It's kind of hard not to when both parents raised you up as a spiritualist and your grandparents and your great-grandparents. It's kind of hard not to escape it, you know, and spirit's always around him. But he says, I'm not going to go to a building. He goes, it's right here. I can communicate with spirit anytime. But then every once in a while, you'll find him in the back of the church or when we lived in California, he lived in California. He seemed to be there every weekend. He didn't know how he managed it, but he was there. And he's all like, nope, nope. <laughs> I'm not really here, but I'm here. And of course, if he didn't want to be seen, he didn't have to be seen. But he also encouraged home circles. My mother definitely encouraged home circles, and now she lives in a facility. But she still, everybody comes to her. Hey, Sandy, uh, I had this person bothering me the other day. Well, just tell them to go away or start talking to them. Or I'm missing something. Oh, it's underneath your bed. I see it here. Spirit still communicates with her and tells her different things. My father lives in Northern California and he goes to Sacramento Church. It's a small little church, but he works there. And he met his high school girlfriend about 10 years ago and she knew nothing about spiritualism. She's now on the board. He believes it 100%, comes every year to convention and loves it. And I just love seeing her come to convention and getting excited when she gets messages because she likes the communication. She likes the development and she's learning more. And you develop when you're in spiritualism. You never stop learning. And I was telling someone the other day who came and visited last week and I said, I love watching people up on the platform. I love watching them speak. I love watching them give messages because I'm very humbled by it. Now I've been doing, I've actually been doing spirit work uh, messages since I was 13 years old, for a little bit now. But when I watch individuals go up and they give messages and I'm in awe and I'm always learning. And I told, and she told me, she goes, the day you don't learn is the day you just start to learn. The day you think that you don't need to learn anything else and you absolutely know everything, you know nothing. And that's when you need to start learning. So if you are traveling and you go to some places and they don't have a church, but they have a camp or they have auxiliary or they have home circles, join it. See what it's like. See how other people around the United States or around the world do, do what they do. Communicate with spirit. Now in England, we actually have a couple mediums in England um, that have, have passed all their tests, the horrible tests, you know, those things that we cry on when we take. They've got all their papers. Now they live in England and they're spreading the word. Amazing how that happens. And I have a lady at work who loves to hear about spiritualism. Now she's a good Christian. She goes to her Bible studies. She does all that stuff. She's starting to question them. She's getting in trouble. Yeah, but she comes to me and she goes, I want to know more. I want to know more. I want to know more. And she goes, I be because she lost a daughter uh, before she was born. She lost a daughter when she was six months pregnant. 
and her daughter comes to her all the time and she goes, I believe now. She goes, two years ago I would have said you're crazy. Now there's no doubt in my mind. It's funny how that happens. I married into a family who would have never walked through that door. Now want to see the pictures in my house move. Because they change. I have spirit drawings in my house. And they change all the time and they come and, and see why they're changing. Yeah, what's going on with this one? They have no doubt in their mind that spirit, the spirit comes through. It's almost infectious. So when you start talking about it, someone gets interested, and then someone else gets interested, and someone else gets interested, right? Yeah? So then you start bringing other people, or you start talking to other people, and they're like, hey, this might be interesting. You know, I don't fit in this church anyways. Now, I've gone to synagogues, churches, born again, televangelist, Buddhism. I have tried everything. And I have been the worst child ever because I keep asking questions. And they don't like to ask questions. So I would always on, now Sunday school is not Sunday school in synagogues. It's like on a Saturday. So I started asking questions. And then my parents would get called. Will you please come pick up your daughter? We can't have her in class anymore. She's asking too many questions. My brother took it to it like a fish like water. I did not. So when I found, we found this, we found a little church in a, on a Canto Boulevard. And my parents had been working with spiritualism for quite some time. And they finally brought us along. At first I said, these guys are kooks. But I fit into it. I was always that rebel that never fit into anything. And I fit into this religion. It's not a cookie cutter religion. Not everybody fits in. Not everybody fits in any religion. But I knew this was home when a lady came up to me and gave me a message and I recognized it. I knew it was home when the first convention I went to, the president of that convention at that time came up to me and said, you're gonna be standing on this podium someday. And I looked at him and going, no. And about five years ago, I was standing on that podium. And he says, and you'll be on the board. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm on the board. I love it more than anything. Spiritualism is my life. It's part of my life. The Declaration of Principles, I say that without any regret, without any questions, I say it. I believe it. I live it. Natural law is part of my life. Natural law, is, I hate to tell everybody, is part of your lives too. You cannot escape natural law. You cannot escape gravity. No matter how many times you try, you still have to come down to earth someday. You cannot escape love. The first law, natural law is love. There is someone out there that loves you more than anything in the world. Unconditional love. It may be a cat, a dog, a bird, a person, who knows. But there is someone out there that loves you. So, Home Circles started all of this. Home Circles is what brought us together into a church. Someone put their heart and soul into this church. Actually, a couple people put their heart and soul into this church. Quite a few people. And still, people are putting their heart and soul into this church to make it a better place, to make it a safe place for you guys to come. That you feel like you're home. 
that you feel comfortable in. Now, have you ever seen in a, I sat in one time a Roman Catholic church service where you get up, you get down, you kneel, you get up, you get down, you kneel. By the end of the time, being only 12 years old, I was tired of kneeling. Here you don't have to. Yes, we exercise you guys by getting up and down. But we have a good time. We laugh. We question. We always learn. Hopefully opening up your minds. Now, the NSAC is, we're blessed enough to have the National Spiritual Association of Churches, who has a national board, who oversees all the churches, camps, and auxiliaries in the United States. So if something happens, they're there for us. They take care of us, kind of like an umbrella. And then you have the churches, camps, and auxiliaries. Now, the camps are pretty big. Some of them used to be really big. Some of them not so, more, so much. And there used to be many more camps than there is now. But if you ever get a chance to go to a camp, it doesn't matter where. Go to a camp. Experience it. It's different from here. If you ever get to go to a convention, go to it. Even one time, just to laugh at the people. You know, when I was 13 years old, I watched a lady chase a man around with a cane. But afterwards, they were hugging and laughing. But they were, it's just who they are. They get so passionate about spiritualism, they defend it, no matter what. It's true. It's true. I love the people. I love seeing the people. I love seeing your guys' smiling faces every day, or every Sunday. Sometimes Tuesdays, maybe uh, once a month at a all-message circle. But where would we be if we didn't have this? You know, I see on television all the time of um, these famous people giving messages on TV. And they last maybe a season or two, and then they disappear. Or they find out that they're not really who they are. I feel if you're in doing mediumship or you're up here, you're doing what you believe and you have to do it with passion. We're not frauds. We continually communicate with spirit. Each and every one of you actually communicate with spirit. If you know it or not, they come in your dreams. You hear your voice, you hear your name in the middle of nowhere. You'll be walking down the street and you hear your name. You swear you heard your name, you turn around, no one's there. Spirit. You have things move around in your house. I know I put my keys here and they end up over there. That's spirit. My son's in spirit. He likes to play with his, his brother. Takes toys that have no batteries and run it down the, the walkway. There's no doubt in mind that mine that spirit is here. And... As sad as it sounds some for me or for others, my mother soon will be into spirit. And I don't think they're ready yet for her. <laughs> they keep sending her back, saying, oh no, we got too many up here, we can't handle anymore. But she'll be around, bouncing around, and saying, look what I can do. And we'll all be going, oh God. But, you know, that's the great thing. And we've had some individuals here that were members of our church. And then towards the end, we, you know, we hoped that they went to spirit. And we had one lady that walked in a walker, and she could barely move. And now she's flying around and throwing things at people, and she's having a great time. 
little tiny thing. She's having a blast. But the great thing about spiritualism is the continuity of life. So even if we can't see them physically here, and if we can, I will be ecstatic, we can still communicate with them. We can still talk to them. We can still yell at them. We can still cry with them and laugh with them. They're always here with us. So if it's a home circle, if it's a church, a camp, auxiliary, we know that spirit walks with us and talks with us every day of our lives. And when we finally cross over to the spirit side of life, they'll be there with party poppers and having a great time, and we will have a great time with them. Thank you. Our speaker today is our own Reverend Haviva Richards. She's, she's our backbone. And she's also on our national board, and we love and respect her highly. Morning. Good morning. Thank goodness it's a little cooler outside. It's kind of warm yesterday. Yesterday we had a little bit of fun here at this church. Some of you were here. We did um, medium mystic tools and had a great time, fun time playing with different different uh, tools that have been used throughout the ages. Uh, we started out with um, scrying mirrors, actually, and I have one big one, and Mary Beth had one, and we shared it. And because back in ancient times, they they had mediums, they had oracles, they had priests, um, they had witch doctors, they had medicine men, and people would come to them especially gypsies, when we got up into the times, people would come to them and say, what's my life going to be? like?" So these oracles and the kings and queens and people would come to them and the oracles or the priests would go, some of them would go into caves for an entire month from one full moon to another full moon, let's say. So they would go to these, into these caves and be totally left alone so they wouldn't talk to anybody they didn't have cell phones no tvs no computers it's a boring time no bathroom well they had little they had little sections where let's not go there gary so they would be in a room and they would be solitary in solitary confinement for an entire month and not speak to anybody and they would meditate that entire time and so then they would come out at the end of the month and they would look into a large and go into a large room where there was a large um, bowl or plate filled with blood, usually pig's blood, goat's blood, cow blood, yes, sometimes even human's blood. And they would stare into this bowl and they would see things. Spirit would communicate through these mirrors and they would get their answers that they needed. So if they were supposed to go to war, they would tell them how the war would turn out, um, how the crops would fare. Um, if this person would marry that person, who they should align with. These oracles did these things, and the priests did these things, so they wouldn't talk. So they used mirrors. Well, thank goodness we don't use blood anymore. You know, I, I like my blood. I like to keep it in my body. So we use mirrors. Now, 
the NSAC doesn't approve of, doesn't recommend that you use mirrors, crystal balls, Ouija boards, pendulums from the platform, though it is okay to teach with because they are tools. They're, they're beginning tools for people to learn how to become a medium besides taking the Morse Pratt course and coming to development classes, which is this Thursday, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that in. Um, they would use different things like this. So even the gypsies would have crystal balls. Now, when the crystal balls used to be called crystal balls before they were turned into glass, which I have a very old crystal ball that was my mother's and my grandmother's, but it's glass. It's not actual crystal. Gypsies would actually have crystal. They would have carved crystal. So it would be clear, black, um, amethyst, anything that they could get their hand on that they can make some kind of a ball to see into, that they could use that as a tool to be able to give their talk to the individuals. And they would go travel, travel from town to town. And so the farmers would come up, how is my crop going to fare this year? Am I ever going to get rid of this daughter that, you know, the 10th daughter of the, you know, 10th family? Are we going to ever get her married off? So they would call, come to those. Now, gypsies were looked down upon because they were different. So as you saw this morning, we had a wonderful lady that walked in. And the moment I talked to her, she basically kind of snuck outside <laughs> because the gypsies, as us, we believe in personal responsibility. And they didn't follow Jesus as a savior. So a lot of people looked down on them and called them witches or, you know, thieves, beggars, which they weren't because every, every time they would come into the town, they would be flocked on with all the people going, what's going to happen next? Then we moved on to, we did uh, some transfiguration, which I had a wonderful little mirror that helps with transfiguration to see each other. So you face each other, you put the mirror in between, and you can see the faces change. That was kind of fun and interesting to see while other people looked in the scrying mirror, trying to see not the reflection, but see something in the mirror. Um, Janet Mitchell actually saw something in the, in the uh, crystal ball. She saw something immediately. Um, they also saw figures or shadows in the scrying mirrors. And then when you, they each held up these little transfiguration mirror, they actually saw the faces change. So it was a lot of fun. But again, remember, these are tools. They're not mediumistic, what we use here on off the platform. Then we moved over to um, slates. I love slates. It, they're kind of... They're interesting. Find you can find them at Hobby Lobby, Michaels, um, and they're usually you know decorated real pretty, so that you would buy them. But slates are used a lot of times, especially in seances. Slates are used. You put two slates together, so two chalkboards together. Put a piece of chalk in the middle of it. Some people tie them up with a rubber band or a piece of string, and you put them aside, and you have spirit work on them. Spirit will take those slates and either put a saying or writing or picture on those slates without human touching. So no one touches. I don't go in there and I'm not a good drawer anyway. So um, I don't go in there and I don't draw. You just leave them be. And then something will eventually show up. I've seen some interesting things off of slates. So we worked on that for a while. Um, we also worked with pendulums and 
I love pendulums because they're fun to play with. Um, some people use them for clearing. Some people use them for yes and no answers. But one thing that you have to remember on the pendulums, they're not, a, they're not the answer, the be all. You cannot rely on any of these tools to be the absolute truth. You have to make up your own mind. Remember, when you're working with smaller tools or tools like this, you're beginning out, so you're going to not bring up as high-level individuals for these tools. So when you're working pendulums, I have a metal, a silver one that's actually made out of silver, and it can hold different things inside it, like myrrh or some kind of liquid, and it actually holds it in, and then sometimes that brings up a stronger um, strength to use that tool. A lot of them are made out of crystals or stones. And they're great to use, and if you have one, that's perfect. I think that they're a lot of fun to work with. We also, um, we had the trumpets out. We also brought out the cabinet, which, amazingly enough, still has a lot of strength into it from our, our two gentlemen that came in and, and did a circle here a little over a month ago, uh, Scott Milligan and David. And it still had a lot of energy built up in that cabinet. So everybody got to sit into the cabinet and see what the energy was like. Now, whenever I sit in the cabinet, it gets very hot. So I asked my guys to bring in air conditioners or fans to cool me down while I'm in there so I don't have hot flashes and I don't go like, oh my gosh. Some people felt coolness on their feet or up in different parts of their body and then warmth and everything. You could definitely feel that spirit was in there. That spirit would come and overlay you and transfigure over you and change the face. We had a red light. I like to work with blue light as well as red light. Blue light is easier to see spirit with, especially if you're starting out for the first time. Uh, red light's a little harsher and it's sometimes a little harder to see spirit with. So if you work with blue light to begin with, sometimes you can see things like the smoke puffing out of those trumpets that keep wobbling around that was in the room, or arcing from place to place. And yeah, we even worked with the trumpets a little bit. We saw them, they're bending and puffing out smoke, which is, is nice, to, nice to for a demonstration. If you ever get to sit in a trumpet circle, I would highly recommend it because it's an experience that you will never really see again. There's not many people that work with trumpets anymore. I mean, really, really work with trumpets. It's hard to do physical phenomena. The reason for this is because we are attached to our phones, our computers, our cars, outside activity, electricity up above. We, we have to work full-time jobs, sometimes two jobs. You have, to, you have things that you have to do. Most of the people that are working physical phenomena do not have jobs. They've either won a lottery or have someone that takes care of them financially. And so they can sit for every single day for hours on end and work on their mediumistic skills. Back in the 1800s, it was easier also. And a lot of women were mediums because the men worked and the women stayed at home. So they could sit for hours at a time. They didn't have someone calling them on the phone. They didn't have phones in the 1800s. They didn't have the TVs. They didn't have the, the devices. We've actually, as we have advanced in society, we've lost time. We don't have, we always say, I don't have the time to do this. I don't have the time to do that. We've actually lost time becoming so advanced in everything that we do. So 
it's not as easy to sit for three hours. How many of you can sit with no inter no distractions for three hours every single day? Yes, I know you, Dee Dee, but how many people can do that? Absolutely no distractions, no kids, no work, no phone, no TV. How many people can do that? Not many people can say that. We know Dee Dee can. That's what she does. So <laughs> you have to be either have financially well off, retired, or I mean even retired that you just wander around and you have lots of appointments and you see lots of people and you dance and do dance competitions or swimming competitions or this competition or that competition. And you're always on the go. We're always on the go. Now the Bang Sisters who did pictures, now in the, if you ever go in the seance room you'll see that uh, Stan Matrunik did a lot of drawings and I have another lady, Lois Carlisle, who did the other drawings. And she used to live in Santa Barbara, California until she passed away. Whenever she did mediumship, she do, drew with her left hand, but she could only, on normal days, work with her right hand. She was very dependent on her right hand, but when she did mediumistic skills, she only did it by her left hand. And she was an artist. She did, um, she did if you ever go to Santa Barbara and you see the stained glass window, she did that window. She, does all this, she did all the stained glass. And she all did it all by her right hand. So, Santa Barbara, California, Church uh, Comforter in Santa Barbara, California, there's a beautiful stained glass piece that she actually did. It's actually on a floating frame, so if they ever have earthquakes, it will not damage it. And there's also one of the Campbell Brothers pictures in the Santa Barbara Church. Now, I know that up in San Francisco, there are some other church, um, Golden Gate has some more pictures and paintings up there. And if you ever go to Lilydale, uh, Lilydale, New York, you will also see some pictures in there that are done by the Bang Sisters as well as the Campbell Brothers. And those are strokeless. When I say strokeless, it means that no brush ever touched those canvases. Not a single stroke was put on those canvases. It was all done by spirit. And each one of those pictures, if you look at the irises, every single iris is unique. There is no iris that is identical in, the, in any of the individual's eyes, and they change. So it feels like you're in a Harry Potter world and the pictures actually change, and they move. So if you ever get a chance to see one of the Campbell brothers or Bang sisters, look at their irises. They have been scientifically checked and tested, and, they, and none of the irises are the same. So none of the pictures, the irises are the same. They're actually, every single one of them is unique. And they, and they acquire them to almost like a human's eye. So that's how they know. And there's not a single brush stroke on any single one of them. And they have been tested. Luckily that they're under glass now and so they're protected so that they won't get damaged through, the, through time. So, and that's what we've done with these is they're under glass so they will not get damaged as well. Well, um, let's see, what else? Oh, we did some table tipping, that was fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, we have this wonderful little table here, and it's a little hard when you're reaching over to try to grasp the type, very lightly touch the top of the table. So we brought out um, one of the, a table like that, not that one, but another one, and we got it bouncing all over the place. And um, almost got it on one, on one little leg at one point, working on um, trying to get them to levitate. 
if they ever do levitate and they make it stuck on the ceiling and I don't know what we're going to do with it. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just take pictures, lots of pictures and say, hey, look. But table tipping was used way back in the day. Um, basically, you had a group of people around a huge table, not these light tables, something really, really heavy. And they would sit there, a whole bunch of people around the table sitting in there, and the table would tip and they would go through the alphabet. A, B, <laughs> till they get their answers and they would do full sentences off the table. Do you know how long that would take? Longer than I would like to sit there. So it takes a lot of time. So a lot of, they got to the point where they're saying, okay, we'll just do yes and no. Um, or maybes or levitations. That's always fun. Now I have heard that several conventions, quite a few conventions ago, there was a lady who did table tipping and she loved tables so much and they, she would actually do demonstrations at convention. Well, she would go down the aisle of the convention hall and then she would have the tables following her as she would go down and she would try to back them away and they would just follow her all the way down the convention. I would have loved to be down there. I think that was long before me, but um, she would actually have the tables. Can you imagine going to a hotel, having a convention, and all the hotel tables follow you around. I think the staff would kind of get a little upset with that. Now, most of the tables that you use are wooden tables. Some of them may have some metal in it, that's fine. You can even use plastic tables. Um, you know those patio tables? I've done that in the past where we use plastic tables. It doesn't matter. Spirit is using it. And when Spirit actually uses those tables, there's um, rods of ectoplasm that form underneath the table. And we've act, I, we do have pictures of the rods of ectoplasm from previous table tippings that show it, the ectoplasm actually forms around the tables and the rods form underneath the tables to get the tables moving. And that's how spirit gets the tables to move, is by those rods of ectoplasm, along with the trumpets. The trumpets you, we use for direct voice. And um, the bigger the trumpet is, like the ones I have in the back room, the deeper the sound comes out of them. So they hum a lot of times. The smaller the ones, I have a small one at home about this big, the higher pitch they hum. They do fly around. If you were here last month, we had several trumpets fly around. None, none hit anybody in the head, which was a good thing, but um, they did fly around. They bang around. They get dented. Um, they have a powdery substance after you're done with it. That's the residue of the ectoplasm that's left behind in the trumpets, which quite a few of those trumpets back there have the residue in them. Um, they're quite fun, and they also like to have names. Unfortunately, all four of those in the back do have names. I have no idea what the one-year-old granddaughter at the time named them, because it was garbled at the time, so I have no idea what their names are, but they loved her, and they still do. But they like to be sung to, they like to have laughter. Spirit loves laughter. So if you're doing any kind of physical phenomena, laughter is a key. Voices are key. Singing is key because it raises the vibration. If we had to try to do physical phenomena, it wouldn't happen right now because we're so quiet. So laughter is key for any kind of phenomena that you want to have. The higher the, higher the laughter, the higher the vibration, the more phenomena that happens. 
And we had proof of that last month where the children that came through on Scott Milligan took hula hoops and linked them together. After the entire thing, they linked them all together. Now, no human hand or live hand was touching those hula hoops. It was all done by spirit. And they actually linked them together, which is incredible because that takes a lot of energy off of their part. So, and also when spirit comes and they actually do physical phenomena, every once in a while you'll actually have a full physical apparition, which means that someone will be standing and you can see them from head to toe, every detail of them. Most of the time, what you're going to see if you go into a physical seance are parts of the body. So you'll maybe see the head or hand or foot you won't see the full thing because that takes a lot of energy. Now ectoplasm comes out of the individual, the sitter that's doing it, out of any orifice, and I mean any orifice, so eyes, ears, nose, mouth, any orifice that they can bring, the chemical that's in your body, the chemicals and minerals in your body comes out, sometimes it comes out of your solar plexus. So if you're ever in a class or a seance and your back starts hurting you, or your stomach feels like it's tight, it's the ectoplasm actually coming out, starting out in a gaseous form, then moving to a liquid, and then hopefully, eventually, a solid. And so this is what we did yesterday. We, we played around with this for a little while, had a good time doing it. Now, I know that people have used tarot cards in the past, and when I was starting out, when I was younger, <laughs> Starting out, I used tarot cards as well. And even though I was doing development classes and stuff, I felt more secure with the tarot cards. Well, then I noticed one day I hadn't even put out the tarot cards and I was given the message. Again, they're tools, they're stepping tools to help you come become more advanced. Now, the direct, uh, the development classes and the mediumship or the meditation classes that we have help you develop. So eventually you'll come up here and you'll give messages or healing. And if you take the Morris Pratt, you learn more about it and the history. And there's always tools that you can also use. The internet is great. Don't always follow Wikipedia because Wikipedia is more Christian based and doesn't really like spiritualism that much. <laughs> From what I found out that they'll, they'll um, talk down about any spiritualist. But there is a lot of books out there that you can use as well. Um, the Morris Pratt Institute has a lot of books that are for sale. Um, Amazon, great place to buy books from and learn things. And you don't have to take everything word for word. So even when mediums come up here and they give a message, you do not have to take everything as gospel. Take what you need. If you don't need the rest, then you don't need the rest. Maybe at that time it doesn't ring true to you. Maybe later on it'll go, you'll go, ah, I know who that person is now. Oh, yay. But you don't have to take everything word for word. Spirit is not here to do your job. They're only here to help guide you or at least stay with you. You have to do your part. And when people come in for healing, they want healing, and that's great. And I've seen some incredible healers. But... If you're not taking your medication or you're not doing what your doctor says, you're not doing your part. Spirit cannot instantly fix you. 
It doesn't work that way. You have to do your part. You have to be willing. You have to be an open channel. You have to, yes, you have to see those doctors and they take all your money. But if you're doing your part, you're going to heal. I have seen healing work. I know that most of you guys have seen healing work. I had, when I was 13 year old, years old, I had my face entirely crushed by a horse. I have no memory of my childhood. My face was in little tiny pieces. A few years back, someone did a CT scan on me. They can't see an entire break that there was ever any break in my face, ever. It doesn't show. I did my part, yeah, I went through multiple surgeries, but I also worked with healing every single day. It doesn't show. My mother, who, bless her heart, has tried to cross over several times and Spirit keeps sending her back saying, no, I don't want you. She's come from death's doorstep all the way back up and then back down and back up. She beat four or three different stage four cancers when they gave her only a couple months to live, and that was over 40 years ago. Healing works, but she did her part. If you do your part, it's going to work. If you listen to a medium and you tell them, you ask them, I had a, there was a lady in Santa Barbara who went to every single medium and psychic in Santa Barbara. What clothes should I wear? What shoes should I wear? What should I do today? How should I eat? That's no way to live. You've got your own mind. You have free will. You can do it yourself. If you are a medium and you have someone like that, fire them. You can fire the clients. You can fire people and say, I'm sorry, I can't read for you anymore. What I give you doesn't work. You're not listening to anything that Spirit says, I'm sorry, I cannot read for you. Eventually, hopefully, they will figure out what they're doing and they will maybe go back and look at all their notes or listen to all their tapes and figure out that this is the same message and change. There was one lady who did it and she actually went back to all notes. She had a closet full of journals she looked through every single one. A year later, she came back. We didn't even know who she was. She was an entirely different person. She finally started listening to spirit. And spiritualism is a hard thing. You know, you tell someone they have to be responsible for self and they don't have a savior, they tend to run outside the door. <laughs> As we saw this morning, a lady asked, she says, is this a Baptist church? I said, no. Is this a Christian church? I said, no. I said, this is a spiritualist church. Oh, okay. What, what does that mean? So I started telling her. She goes, oh, okay. So I came up here, and the next thing I know, I saw her running out the door. <laughs> Especially when I told her we do mediumship that separates us from other churches. is where that we talk to spirit, loved ones, and guides from the other side. Now remember, mediums between mediums and psychics, there is a difference. Psychics as you know for your test. Psychics read the aura or read the person's feelings. A medium gets messages from spirit. There is a difference. Yes, sometimes mediums are psychic. Sometimes they can read your auras. You walk in, you look terrible. Man, you look terrible. Maybe you should, you know, not party so much. Who knows? Maybe you should party more. You never know. But whatever you do and whatever tools you use, remember, anyone can be a medium. 
anybody can be a medium. They may not be the best medium, but anybody can be a medium. You can be a healing medium. You can be a physical medium. You could be a mental medium. If you put your mind to it. If you put take all the steps, you can do it. And this is what the workshop shows. Anybody can do it. Bill had a great time chasing the table yesterday, I'm sure. And he saw things. And he did, had transfiguration. And he changed in the cabinet. And Val changed in the cabinet. And Janet changed in the cabinet. And Mary Beth really changed in the cabinet. <laughs> it was fun. I saw it. So, but anybody can do this. Anybody can step up here. One, you have to be brave enough because... Here it's easy to talk to. If you go to convention and you're up on that, you're shaking so hard, you know, the podium shakes. I had one student thought that she was going to throw up. Not her. She's perfect. <laughs> she really was. She was great. But I had one lady that thought she was going to throw up. She gave three messages and got three affidavits, which is incredible for the convention. She was incredible in what she did. She was nervous. I'm nervous every time I step up there. My father embarrassed the living daylights out of me when I was up there one night. He made me blush, which is hard to do. But he did it. I'm nervous every time. And the moment that you're not nervous and you do mediumship or you do healing or you do stand up here and talk or you cheer, then you haven't even begun learning or even trying. So with that, I will say thank you very much. And God bless each one of you.